Hello, sister. Hello, sister. And welcome to Of Late I Think of Rosewood, a podcast deep dive into the characters, themes, and plot of ABC Family's Pretty Little Liars. My name is Haley. And I'm Morgan. And we're sisters who love Pretty Little Liars and spend a little too much time thinking about it. So for this episode, we are going to talk about Hannah. So we've talked about Aria. We've done the deep dive into her character. And now we're going to talk about Hannah. And cover her sort of biopsychosocial assessment. So let's jump into it. And we're going to start again with family and close relationships, which I think is really like one of the most important parts of all of the girls. Their relationships are so central to the show and to, I think, who they are as people. It's a very much a relationship-driven show. It's a friendship-driven show. Speaking of friendship, let's talk about her role in the liar group to start off. We we talked how like Arya is supposed to be the empathetic one. I feel like we kind of we disagreed with that at the beginning of the episode, and we actually talked ourselves into it a little bit by the end of the episode. <laughs> what do we think about Hannah's role in the liar group? Well, I I think we talked a little. Maybe we're talking too much about last episode, but I think we talked a little bit about how like Arya is a good partner, and like we talked. I think maybe got a little too much into Hannah and how. Hannah likes to be, you know, making plans. She likes to be the one who is in charge. Maybe her kind of desire to be the one that's leading and making the plans comes from obviously like after Allison disappeared, she kind of became the it girl. And I think, you know, going back into this like group dynamic probably triggered a lot of like her past insecurities her feelings of not really being a part of the group or not belonging in the group being kind of a lesser member of the group you know she was made to feel that way by Allison and so I think maybe her when we see her trying to like you know rival Spencer almost with her with her plans with her ideas and investigations if that's kind of coming from that right and like a reaction to her really wanting to be a part of the group and not just like a side character in the group. Yeah, I think it stems a bit from like the her position in the group when Allison was in charge. And really it's like, it's not even so much that Hannah likes to be making the plans. I, it's that Hannah likes to be setting the pace because there are also totally. times where Hannah definitely pumps the brakes. And I yeah. think that what it is, is when she feels out of control, right? When she feels like things are spinning out of control, she wants to pump the brakes, right? She wants, she's like, everybody stop, stop doing things. You're going to make A upset. You're going to, you know, cause problems. But when she feels like, when she kind of feels, I think the threat of A and doesn't feel like they're doing enough to, to sort of mitigate that threat, then she's suddenly pushing for these plans, right? Like we got it. We have to kidnap no con. We have to, (laughs) you know, do all of these things. Like, and she starts going a mile a minute and doesn't wait for others to catch up. I think it's more about setting the pace than it is about her making the plan specifically like she would i think go along with a spencer plan if it was if it was in line with the pace that she wants to set and how she's feeling in that moment um and i think that it stems yes from Allie's treatment of her when she was in charge and like her sort of like she was a little bit like bottom rung right of the of the group then and I think also her like abandonment issues, which we'll get into more with, you know, her father who abandoned her. But I think that she, because she has these abandonment issues, she likes to be in control because she, I think, is always worried that things are going to change, that the rug's going to be pulled out from, un- from under her. If she's not moving, then 
there's problems that she's not solving, right? But mm-hmm. if she's doing too much, then she's worried that she's destroying things, right? And that's what I think it is, is she, because she never feels secure, she's constantly changing the pace to try to find that sense of security and she can't. So I think that's her kind of role, I think, within like the mystery. Her role, I think, within sort of like the friendship bond beyond the mystery is maybe one of the more sort of comforting ones in the group, right? Like when one of the girls is struggling, I do think, and she uses humor a lot to do that because like Hannah's not, Hannah's not as dumb as she, as I think some people think she is because those are jokes, right? Like yeah. I, don't think that, I don't think that Hannah is actually mixing up what being blind and, mean, and being deaf mean when she says, you know, Jenna can't yeah. hear us, she's blind. Like that's a joke. She's she's lightening right. the mood a bit, easing the tension. I think that's a really good point because as as far as her like role in the group and the plot and the mystery, she does a lot of times play that comedic relief. And mm-hmm. a lot of the times the others complete it goes over their heads. Particularly Aria. Aria has no time for Hannah's jokes. Aria will always step on Han- on like the the end of a Hannah joke, right? Like she'll always Absolutely. <laughs> and and I think it's because Aria, who wants to be so smart and be an adult, can't understand the concept of making a joke that makes yourself look stupid or look bad in order to kind of make everyone laugh. So that's why she doesn't understand it. It's interesting because I think a lot of like every show pretty much has a comic relief character. But usually that comic relief functions only at sort of the meta level of like being comedic relief for the audience. But I do think that Hannah serves comedic relief both for the audience and within like the show itself to the other girls. She can also be quite tender, I think, with them when they're hurting, right? Like Hannah, I do think is is maybe the best friend to go to when you're upset about something. I disagree. Really? I mean, I think the answer to that is Emily. I I disagree with that. (laughs) Interesting. I I mean, I think that Emily is too is too gentle, right? Like there might be times where Emily's the best one to go to, but they're like you don't want to vent to Emily. Yeah, but I do think though. I do think a lot of okay. Maybe this is okay. So I think this is a good time to preface that we do love Hannah. We and love Hannah. We love Hannah because Hannah is a big fan favorite and she's an us favorite as well. Yeah, but, but this is not going to be an exclusively glowing endorsement of her character precisely. personality. Precisely. And what I'm going to say might sound like a critique here. That's because it is. I think a lot of the criticism that gets levied against Arya is that Arya just like is too self-centered. She doesn't care about anybody else. And she'll always kind of make something about her. And Hannah does that a lot. Hannah is good to go to if she doesn't have something else major going on, right? Like, I want to figure out an example because there is a conversation that I'm thinking of. And maybe it's like around the like, and I have glass in my hair conversation where like Hannah, something's going on with Hannah. And it's very much not as big as the fact that like everybody kind of abandoned Emily to a confront A by herself. I just... I don't know if we can count one-upping because the, you're not a pretty little liar if you're not one-upping. I mean, it's <laughs> they true. Love to one-up. Here, okay, can I tell you the example I'm thinking of? Uh-huh. I'm thinking of the moment when Arya 
has the panic attack in the bathroom and they are all trying to comfort her. And Hannah says something along the lines of to Aria of like, one day we will all have jubilation. <laughs> and it cuts the tension immediately. And Aria gives this sort of like tearful, like, like chuckle and like, and and it's like the weight has been lifted. And and I think that Hannah, she, she said it so, it, it's obviously funny, right? But yeah. she also said it so gently and with such like sincerity. And I do, I, I just feel like there's a lot of moments where when Hannah is able to show up for her friends, I think that she is maybe the best one. Yeah, I'll I mean, I, but I she's kind of, not always able to do it. Yeah, I mean, like, I kind of agree with that. Like, I think, yeah, when she does show up, I think she shows up pretty well. But I also think, like, she does, you know, and we talked about this, I think, with Aria, they all kind of get a little bit more invested when it comes to things that immediately affect them and their, their own families or boyfriends or significant others. And I think that's a really, like, that's really seen with Hannah. Another purpose that Hannah serves, I think, in the friend group that I all, and I think also serves an important role sort of in the structure of the show, like like the comedic relief thing, is she is the one, I think, that keeps it the most grounded in terms of like them being teenage girls and them being like friends. Hannah loves, loves a little gossip. She loves to like ask the girls you know, she loves to get the gossip a little bit about like, you know, their sex lives or their dating or, Mm -hmm. you know, asking the girls like, is this side of my face fatter than this side? Like (laughs) she has those great moments. I think that really make you feel like, oh yeah, these are teenage girls. Yeah. I think that's a great point. I really do. Yeah. I think she is the one that like you were saying, keeps it grounded in teenage hood. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, we talked about it a little bit, her relationship with Allison, but I think like maybe we can go into that a little bit more. Like obviously Allison was truly awful to everybody, but I think incredibly terrible to Hannah. Yeah. Hannah, oh my God. And she, the way that shamelessly. She, she, yeah. Allison will Allison will bullied Hannah about her her weight and her body in broad daylight in front of any everybody and anybody that she could. And it was so it's so upsetting to see. And like, it's just, it's heartbreaking because you see like this, like she is belittling Hannah and like making her feel like actual dirt. Yeah. It's, it's so sad. Yeah. And it makes, and it makes sense. I think why Hannah reacts the way she does to Allison being back. And like one, obviously like the identity crisis that comes from that, but also like she is, I think the least enthused about it. Not that any of them are particularly enthused, but like Hannah got bullied by Allison more than you know any of the other girls except for maybe Emily like her the way she treated Emily was pretty cruel but Emily also had that like tenderness with Mm -hmm. those like tender moments with Allison where Allison made her feel special and all this stuff Hannah didn't have as much of that certainly Mm -hmm. we didn't see it. it it was largely Allison you know bullying her about her body intentionally making her bulimic and making her feel like she was an outsider who like didn't belong in the group mm-hmm. uh which brings me to one of the crazy one of the meanest things that Allison ever says it she says to Hannah after the the Jenna thing when they're all outside and Allison I think has just gotten Toby to, like take the blame for it and Hannah's kind of like having a crisis of conscience and Allison 
is panicking, I think, in this moment. She hides it really well, right? She seems totally in control and like an ice cold bitch, but you know she's panicking inside. And Allison turns to her and says, and I, and I quote, damn it, Hannah, don't make me sorry I ever included you in the first place. You know I have gone out of my way to bring your big wannabe butt in this group. You better keep your mouth shut unless you want to go back to spending your weekends alone, dance dance revolution with a jumbo bag of chips. <laughs> it's... <laughs> So alarming. She said that to her friend. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they stayed friends after that. Yeah. It's wild. When I, I would and never I think, recover. Never. If I was Hannah. Well, and I think like, yeah, there's obviously there's like a lot of like problematic things in this show. And the fat phobia is like wild mm-hmm. in like in general, but like of the time. But the stuff that you hear from Allison, like the fat phobic remarks that you hear from Allison are like truly horrific. And I can't even for the time, right? (laughs) Like for the time, that's crazy to say to someone. And I think, yeah, she just like really does almost like get off on putting Hannah down and like treating Hannah, like you said, like an outsider, like actual dirt. I also think it's the moment, and maybe this is getting a little bit too much into Allison's pathology and stuff. I also think that her treatment of Hannah is kind of the one of the moments where you can most clearly see, like, I can totally see how she got this behavior from Jessica. 100%. Like, you can really see the, the, this being a result of her parenting. Well, let's, let's think about, let's talk about that for a second. So if you recall when, um, Hannah, uh, is outside of the De Laurentiis house and she hears Tippy. We meet Tippy for the first time. Mm-hmm. She's looking into Tippy's cage and she's like, wow, like it sounds just like Allison. And Jessica says, don't worry. I don't think she taught her hefty Hannah. Like <laughs> that is coming from a grown woman. Yeah. That Mrs. is a- First of all, this is Jessica knew that Allison called her friend hefty Hannah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, if I heard my daughter call one of her friends a name like that, oh, I- they would never be, they would never see the light of day again. They would be no. grounded forever. Yeah. And also, a time when Jessica goes up to Hannah and says, Allison would be so proud that you kept the weight off. Uh huh. Um, I you can really see. Yeah. Well, and, and a direct I line. I'm- I don't remember if that was that scene happened in this episode with the fashion show, but mm-hmm. um, I think it was maybe around that uh, at that time. But yeah, like just like there, there's so much comment about like commentary on Hannah's body during that yeah. fashion show. Like it's just it's absolutely wild. That, again, this is coming from a grown woman to a child. Anyway, yeah. Moving on from. Uh- Jessica yeah. De Laurentiis's absolute psychopathic behavior. Yeah, we'll have plenty of opportunities to talk more about <laughs> Jessica De Laurentiis. Um, yeah, I think it, it's good to talk about like her two like friendships outside of the group, Lucas and Mona. Yes, which feeds into our theory that we talked about of the way that Allison treats these girls and how that affects kind of who they latch on to in her absence. Yeah, the like who that Allison bullied that they kind of latch on to because they all latch on to someone that has almost, some reason to hate Allison. Almost like penance. Like, yes, I, I think that they feel they recognize how kind of terrible she was, not only yeah. to them, but to others. And I think they kind of now, are looking for ways to 
forgive themselves for being like party to that. Well, and in their in her absence, right? They have sort of the strength to to do that because they were never brave enough to go against Allison, right? And now that she's gone, they can make amends for all the things that they let her do. And mm-hmm. I think that that's that connection of this of it being sort of like driven by this like guilt and wanting to make amends is clearest with Hannah latching onto Lucas. One, I think. So as Allison bullied Hannah so much about her body, and I think that the reason that Hannah latches onto Lucas so much is because Allison also bullied Lucas about his body, like that mm-hmm. his nickname was Hermie, which again, even for the time, is wild. Yeah, and Hannah, like, and obviously that's like you know a, a commentary on Lucas's body and the fact that he's kind of like a scrawny, not very like masculine, yeah. little. 13 year old boy (laughs) like sorry he's a child well Um, it's also occurring to me that none of the other girls had nicknames from han from allison right like only hannah had hefty hannah there was no nickname that i can recall from for aria for spencer for emily and i think that that really actually speaks to what we were saying before about how i think allison maybe kind of brought her into this group very intentionally to ruin her life i guess like well i think her feel i think that she knew that hannah didn't have like the confidence to stand up for herself so by bringing hannah into the group as the punching bag she gets to repeatedly use hannah as an example to the other girls of how she could be treating them and how they don't want to push it right Mm -hmm. don't you know, toe the company line, don't go against Allison, right? Because no, none of them want to be treated the way that Hannah is being treated. And they don't it's, stand up for Hannah very much. Right. It's like that episode of The Office where they do like the branch merger and Dwight says to uh, says to Michael, like, you gotta fire someone on the first day so that they like fear you. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's what Hannah's role was is we treat Hannah like shit so that the other girls fear you and respect you. Yeah, I think it's twofold. It's so that she can be the punching bag to be an example to the other girls. And so that there's somebody that kind of, she wants, Allison wants somebody in the group who admires and wants to be her, right? Mm -hmm. Like if you're the it girl, you want all the girls to want to be you. So Keep, whereas but like Spencer and Aria, they, they had more defined personalities, I think, outside and like idea mm-hmm. of who they were a bit outside of Allison that wasn't like they didn't want to be Allison, right? They wanted they wanted to be friends with Allison, but they didn't want to be her in the way that Hannah did. Obviously, Emily was in love with her and that serves another purpose and, you know, the group of, as being like the it girl. And well, uh, I think also... I think one thing, too, that I'm thinking of is, you know, you said Hannah was the punching bag of the group. I think, like, when we talk about her sense of humor, and like we were saying before, a lot of her jokes are smarter than I think she's given credit for. It's almost like she's still trying to fill that role in a, in a way. She's, yeah. if I'm, sort if of I'm the dumb, yeah, exactly. Like, if I'm the dumb one of the group and I'm saying stupid things, like, they'll, they'll keep me around. They'll, mm-hmm. I, I'm not, she's not shaking the social hierarchy of this group too much. Well, and- that's interesting that you say that now, because I'm thinking about the fact that Spencer becomes the de facto leader of the group, right? In a very different way than Allison was the leader of the group, but she does kind of become the leader of the group. And what is Spencer's thing? Being smart. Allie's thing was being pretty and a lot of uh-huh. it, you know, she, She's gorgeous. 
Hannah serves the role, serves the role being the punching bag, the fat one, the one that wasn't as beautiful as Allison. And to clarify, I think Hannah she is, was not fat. She was not fat. No, no. We're <laughs> this is the language of of the show of Allison. Yeah. <laughs> um, and Spencer is the smart one. So Hannah, I think maybe a little bit subconsciously does want to come off as a little bit dumb because she wants to yeah. fill that same role to secure her position in the group because she's always felt like she's lucky to be a part of it. She is uh-huh. sort of last one in, first one out. She is not, Allison really gave her a complex about not really being a core part of the group. She's the extra. Uh-huh. And so uh, in this sort of this brave new world without Allison, where they've all kind of come back together, even though she's the it girl now, I think still feels that sense of insecurity. And again, her abandonment issues, feeling like the rug could be pulled out from under her, she could be left by them. It's a defense mechanism, right? Being a, being the stupid one makes her not a threat to Spencer, the leader. Well, and also I think we see that in her impulsivity. Another thing we'll get to is this idea that like, when we see her kind of at her most impulsive, it's, yeah, yes, she feels like very unsure about how things are going, but I think it also kind of is a way for her to reestablish her position in the group, to be in the center of the drama again, right? Like if she's ever feeling like things like you were saying before, like the pace isn't going her way or whatever, it allows her to kind of being really impulsive. And then obviously I think most of this, if not all, is subconscious behavior, but like her kidnapping Noel Khan. Yeah. It kind of it, you know, it 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 puts her in the center. It it brings her yeah. back into the conversation. Especially, I mean, we can talk about that kind of like season six, seven Hannah, but Yeah, I think we'll get there with, yeah. with some of this. And this might be a good time to remind everyone we love Hannah. Love her. We love Hannah. <laughs> love Hannah. It's um, not meant to be like we don't love her. Uh so I, I so on that same thing. So she latches onto Lucas, right? Because yeah, I think the nickname thing, the being bullied about his body, I think Hannah really latches onto Lucas. And I think you see that she becomes very protective of Lucas, sometimes even pro- feeling as though she needs to protect him from the other liars. Mm-hmm. And I think she also, obviously, the other big one that she latches onto is Mona. And I think that she latches onto Mona because Allie's, first of all, again, Mona's one of one of the ones that had a nickname, Loser Mona. Mm-hmm. And Clever. Allie's whole thing was making Mona feel like she was an outsider. All Mona wanted was to be a part of the group. And Allie was constantly like ostracizing her and not mm-hmm. allowing her to, to hang out with them, to talk to them. Also, I feel like Allie probably made Hannah feel like, you know, you and Mona are, you know, it's a razor's edge. There's, yeah. It's a thin air separating you and Mona, right? Hannah just barely makes the cut to being allowed in the group kind of thing. Yeah. And if she was just a hair lower uh, in whatever, you know, this judgment that Allie's making is, she would be Mona, right? Yeah. And so I think that's also why Hannah latches on to Mona. Well, this is actually something I want to talk about because there is some indication that and it's a little unclear whether Mona and Hannah were friends before Hannah joined Allie's group um, or if they only became friends after Allie's disappearance. Because later on, we, I'm speaking of like season six, seven, the five years forward, Mona is invited to Hannah's bridal shower, or whatever it is. And well, she comes to Hannah's bridal shower. <laughs> no, I think Allison, uh, not Al- not Allison. Um, I think Ashley invited her. Did she? I'm okay. Maybe I think so. 
Um, but anyways, she brings like a wedding book basically that like they made when they were kids. And there's some conversation like at one point, Hannah says something about like, oh, refers to Mona as her best friend from junior high or something like that. And so I think that potentially Mona and Hannah were friends before Allison brought Hannah into the group. And I think that that just like speaks to that razor's edge even more. And Hannah's like, I feel lucky to be here. I was chosen. Mona wasn't. And then I think obviously after Allie, Allie disappears, it makes sense that she would Mona's also kind of upping her game becoming her own it girl and I mean Mona is the it girl she is everything but I think that like it makes sense that Hannah would then kind of like go revert back to her I guess junior high bestie yeah so okay moving on from her relationship I think with with the liars and with Allison let's talk a bit about her romantic relationships we'll we'll get to Caleb last I think let's start with Sean Uh, okay Sean boring Virgin. Boring. Yeah. Gay? I kind of would have loved to have seen. Yeah, I would. I was gonna say I would have maybe loved to have seen Sean in the flash forward and had it be like, oh yeah, he's gay. And that's not to say, obviously, like just because you're a virgin in high school, you're gay. I think there was like a lot of discussion of like, is Sean gay? And I think like on the one hand, it's like obviously boys are allowed to like want to wait to have sex until they're ready or until they're married, and that doesn't make them gay. But there was, I do feel like Sean might have been gay. Well, like, because especially and- considering his like religious parents, it would kind of make sense that he would take a while to kind of come to terms with that. Right. And I think maybe this is our own religious trauma, putting some things on some, some lenses <laughs> on this. But I think, yeah, like it, I there is a very clear storyline here in which I think Sean kind of throws himself into the Holy Roly Virgin Society. What does she call it? Yeah. Holy Rollers Virgin Society. Holy, Holy Roller Virgin Society. <laughs> yes. Well, and also it, the fact that also like if Sean is gay and he's desperate or thinking he might be right or trying to convince himself he's not because he's comes from this or, religious family. And who who would you date? Right, as Sean Ackert the it girl of the school right 100 hottest girl in school and then when they break up the next person that we know that he shows interest in yeah. is Paige. <laughs> so uh, there's definitely evidence here beyond just like him being religious and not wanting to have sex i think exactly that i think that it's reasonable that he might and i kind of would have loved sorry that and then he goes forward to, and then he goes to yeah. military school yeah come on yeah <laughs> yeah there, there's a lot there's a lot of of uh flags there yeah and i i would have kind of loved to have seen sean in the five years forward and have him be like really happy and comfortable in his sexuality have a great boyfriend or something that would have been nice it would have been yeah, nice to see Sean healed a little bit um let's talk travis travis existed uh, and was an attempt i think to just give her a boyfriend while caleb was well, off in ravenswood yeah, I will speak about Travis, mostly in the mm-hmm. context of Caleb here. And it is, I think it's a wild choice. And we do, we do have a Ravenswood episode planned. It's, it'll, it'll come eventually. But I do, I want to talk for a second about like how crazy it is that this show took the couple that everybody loved, Caleb, and then broke them up and then yeah. expected, expected people watch to watch the show that is the, the show that, that broke can... them up. I, I saw this girl on TikTok say like i was never gonna watch ravenswood because it broke up Caleb, and exactly and if it did well they're never gonna get back together exactly 
So anyways, and I think it's like then I think poor Travis, you know, he basically like puts his own family at risk in order to save Hannah and Ashley, Ashley specifically for basically being, you know, put in prison for the rest of her life for killing Wilden. And then like Hannah's really just with him for a time to distract herself from her mom her mom's legal troubles and the fact that caleb's gone so yeah travis doesn't serve much of a purpose he's he's really like he's He's a placeholder he's like the space like when you get like a tooth like a baby tooth pulled as a kid and they don't want your teeth to grow into the space before your adult tooth comes in and they put that little spacer in there that's travis (laughs) um (laughs) jordan let's talk jordan justice for jordan Yeah, I kind of like Jordan. Like, I think people's main complaint was he was a little boring. But I actually think, like, we got a bit of it when he kind of got to, like, when Hannah told him about destroying... Hannah's always destroying evidence. When Hannah destroyed the evidence of, like, deleted the video of, like, Aria leaving the hotel that night and, like, tells all of this to Jordan. And Jordan is so fucking supportive. And he's like, yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna get the best lawyers involved, like right now. And all the like, he's so supportive. I really you can see how I think they, if they had incorporated Jordan a little bit more into the mystery, I think we could I mean, there were we love love Caleb. We love yes. Caleb and the hardcore Caleb shippers were never going to be happy with her with anyone but Caleb. But there's also a thing that's like they all end up with their high school sweethearts, essentially. Right. And so, like, if we wanted to be a little be bit more braver, realistic, I think in the realistic, a little braver with the show and like have some of them end up with not their high school boyfriends. I think Jordan was a pr- like Liam was that no one was ever going to like that. No. Jordan, though, I think had more potential than than like he was realized with. Right. Agreed. I Absolutely. Think have been great. Well, and I think there's glimpses of kind of their I think they do have like a fun, interesting, secure relationship that obviously like is not toxic enough for Hannah or for Rosewood. And that's ultimately why it fails. But like poor Jordan thinks he's having a great day with his fiance who shows up at his office in like this sexy little red dress. She's being like, she's full, she's in full seductress mode. Mm -hmm. And she's like, let's go to the bar that we met at or the restaurant they had their first date at. And like New York, it happens. It's closed now. Mm -hmm. Then she has a full meltdown in the middle of the street. And and then- Breaks just up with hands him, him back hands the him ring. back the ring, and I think never sees him again. They have like so. There's a brief moment where they are talking, but like you don't hear anything. It's just you hear just the music. But like you've got to imagine that she's giving the most like basic non explanation, right? Yeah, of why she's breaking up with him. And and what uh, I think it is is I think that Hannah with Jordan was able to be a healed version of herself. And I think what happened was she went back to Rosewood and realized I'm not as healed as I thought I was. And I think that that's very valid for her to like maybe slow down on the engagement, but I still, I, it still makes me feel sad for Jordan that he was just kind of like, yeah, he never recovered from that. No, he never recovered from that. Every relationship that he has had since then has been haunted by that because he never he definitely did not get any sort of closure yeah his fiance left him with virtually no explanation but i also want to talk about your point there like 
she was a healed version of herself or a mostly healed version of herself or with Jordan. pretending to be a healed version. And I think what happened was well, they went I back. Think, to- I think that she was more or less a healed version of herself. Cause I think the, the reason that we think like, Oh, it wasn't true healing is because she kind of reverts back. True. But I don't think that that's true. Right. Like when you're put back into a, a traumatic situation, like just Where's because what? it reopens. Yeah. Just because it reopens the wound doesn't mean the wound wasn't healed. True. Very true. And, Here's the thing, though, is I think it could have been, it could have been such a beautiful story for it to be that, yeah, Hannah gets put back in this traumatic situation of Rosewood and A and all of the stuff that happens, and she feels broken again. She feels like that version of herself again. And rather than going back to the boyfriend who helped her get through that the first time this person who was not part of the trauma though is and and that loved a different version of her is able to still love her Mm -hmm. and help her heal and love the broken parts of her Mm -hmm. that even though he wasn't there to see them break right because i think that people that experience trauma there is a sense right that like only people that went through that with you could could love you or understand you and obviously there's a a lot of support that can come from being with those people but i but i also think there's a bit of a, a lie in there that like that the this this idea that like nobody else could fully understand and therefore fully love you if they weren't there for that mm-hmm. right that like you because it keeps you stuck in that trauma in a way that, yeah. and, and it defines you as a person in a way that isn't entirely true yeah so justice Anyways. for jordan Justice for I mean, Jordan. We love, we love Haleb, guys. Yeah. We I I really love Haleb together. And, you know, I think that I think they're very cute. I think that they I, I certainly I think it's the best uh, of of the like teenage years. Like I, that's the best relationship. hundred percent And it makes the most sense, I think, as a relationship. I mean, actually Ari and Ezra make a lot of sense. It's just also <laughs> fucked up. But <laughs> and they they actually maybe make the most sense, but yeah. <laughs> unfortunately, yes. Um, and, and I think that Caleb is good at like challenging Hannah. When Hannah goes into bulldozing mode, Caleb, I think, is good at challenging that. And I think mm-hmm. that that is important. Whereas, well, again, I think Jordan, I, I think Jordan was good at that in a way that was a little bit more like there was more emotional intelligence, I think, behind the way that Jordan dealt with a sort of frantic Hannah. He he tried, I think, 100%. to be more of a calming force. Caleb was more of like a brick wall. But I do yeah. think that both are ultimately not that effective. They, 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 no one can stop her. They help. Yeah, they help. But they're not they're not 100% effective. Yeah. And Anything else to say about Caleb? What do we want to... I mean, do we want to talk about Caleb and Ashley now or later? I, yeah, I had it. I had it in when we talk about Ashley, but let's just talk about it now. Caleb and Ashley, and this is something we've talked about a lot. Welcome to this conversation, viewers, uh, listeners. <laughs> Welcome to this conversation, listeners. There is this trope that happens with single mothers, usually hot single mothers in TV, where they- well, to be a single mother on TV, you must be hot, obviously. <laughs> the- there's Mutually. this really weird relationship that they develop with their daughter's boyfriends. And we see it with Ashley and Caleb. Another example, I think, is Lorelai Gilmore and Dean. And I'm sure there's plenty of others. And I know we've talked Sorry. about others that I'm, I can't think of. But it's almost as if Ashley, at first, you know, really doesn't like Caleb. 
And then once she realizes that Caleb cares about Hannah, like genuinely, it becomes this weird, almost like co-parenting situation where they're almost like having conversations about Hannah that Ashley, you would expect Ashley to be having with Hannah's father, you know, if Hannah's yeah. father hadn't been Tom Marin. They, they treat them like a co-parent of the daughter, which is upsetting. It's and, and there's always a weird there's always well, a weird sexual and I think that, that comes down and that comes down to the writers right yeah. like I think the writers in trying to write that dynamic accidentally create a weird sexual tension and also I think to some extent the actors not really knowing how to play this weird dynamic because I don't right. think that that dynamic is ever I, I I don't think that writers are have usually put into words what it actually is that they're writing i don't think they realize they're doing it agree i think it's it's you know it's a bit of like it's very paternalistic patriarchy yeah coming coming out that there is is unconscious yeah that like oh this boyfriend now because this this girl this teenage girl she's she's lacking a father figure so this boyfriend needs to fill that role and then that means he's gonna have to like kind of talk about his girlfriend with her mother in like a very like like a romantic partner <laughs> like like yeah like like a, would. a co-parent like we are okay we are working together here to make sure that hannah is safe yeah and it's healthy. Like we're a team it's it, there's a teamwork that's happening and it's really weird i mean i get it hannah's going through a lot right and so it kind of makes sense that they would have these conversations and want to make sure that everything's okay but it is also weird because once again caleb is a child well and because also yeah caleb is a child and so in reality right like how this should play out in reality is that like he he should feel more of an understanding and allegiance to hannah Mm-hmm. And her side of things, no matter how unreasonable and childish they are, because he is also a child. But uh-huh. instead, he sort of he also colludes with Ashley in this sort of like taking on this like eternal figure. Yeah, it's, it's fucked up. It's upsetting. Um, <laughs> anything else anyways. about Caleb? <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, I think that like I think that overall Caleb is a good boyfriend. I think that they're good together. And I think that, but I also think that them breaking up after they leave Rosewood makes total sense. It makes total sense because also, again, sorry, back to the upsetting theory about he took on this paternal caretaker role dynamic, right? And then as she becomes an adult, she's healing from trauma. Well, she wants, she's developing that autonomy and that independence and that dynamic no longer works that mm-hmm. she it feels restrictive where it used to feel protective totally and so, so i think it anyways, makes total sense that they broke yeah, up i think it totally makes sense that they broke up another interesting thing about hannah's romantic relationships is other than a couple of uh, a kiss you know with ren and holbrook uh that really felt more like those men kind of being interested in her mm-hmm. hannah only dates age-appropriate boys which is shocking in rosewood Uh, a true anomaly what why (laughs) what is that i i have a theory that relates to tom i think she just doesn't trust older men in a way in the same way that like i think aria reveres older men because 
of her own daddy issues, like Hannah distrusts them because what she's seen her father do to her mother and also other adult men do to her mother, Wilden. Like Mm -hmm. this is, she, I think is generally very uncomfortable with older men. And another theory is that she is still quite insecure and maybe doesn't feel like she can play in that game. You know, that's too yeah. much for her. I could see that. She doesn't, she's not quite as, like, obviously she kind of goes after Sean, but she's not, she's not that sexually aggressive. No. Caleb really awakens that in her. But even yeah. then, I think, like, her sexual aggression is a lot, like, she makes a lot of, like, fun, like, sex jokes, I think. But I think it's a lot of performance. I don't really think she's that sexually aggressive or forward really even with caleb i think it's kind of like a lot of show like she wants to be yeah it's viewed as she wants to be viewed as a sexual being yeah but i don't really she's not fully comfortable in it and that's why she makes jokes about it 100 100 percent. so okay let's talk about her family yep let's start with ashley because we kind of already hit on that and that is the main relationship yeah uh ashley's a bad mom guys yeah so She's hot take. <laughs> she is yeah. the worst mom. I mean, she, other than Jessica De Laurentiis. Yeah. Like she, there's just so much codependency there. Even there's a, there is a time where Hannah makes some reference to the fact that Ashley used to take her with her when she was trying to catch Tom cheating. That's fucked up. That That's so fucked up. She had to have been 13 14 even i mean at any age that's like she at could be age. an adult woman and that would be fucked up like if my mom i'm 28 years old if my mom wanted to take me with her to try and catch my dad cheating i'd be like please don't please, i don't i don't want to be a part of this well it's our mom but yeah well my mom more <laughs> so <laughs> yeah no it's absolutely unhinged behavior and then she also never forget takes her daughter to the scene of of her crime wherein she hit a cop with her car she also yeah um, like why would you involve your daughter in that she also tells her explains to her daughter how she stole money from the bank granted granted hannah finds hannah finds the money hey don't keep your money in lasagna boxes folks why is why is why is ashley always hiding things in the kitchen and not in her actual room like ashley has a room in which she could and we do actually see that she can lock her closet door so like why would ashley ever put what i i'm gonna assume is minimum fifty thousand dollars in a lasagna box ridiculous behavior put it in a safe in your room i get why she stole it she can't just like put it in her bank account put it in a safe put it in your underwear drawer like no daughter's like i know hannah likes to borrow her clothes no daughter's rifling through their mother's underwear drawer there's a million other places you could put it that's not in a lasagna box in like your kitchen ashley really needed to go to like the allison de laurentis school of hiding things oh my god yes helped a lot with so many plot lines so many things that hannah finds the the money the gun like well the gun is locked the gun is locked in her closet but again she could have hit it better still 100 percent. i mean Um, yeah no i mean the muddy shoes the muddy muddy shoes shoes that are just like under the kitchen sink so she's constantly implicating her daughter in her crimes also in that like first episode when hannah's caught stealing and 
yeah, actually brings Wilden back and is like making out with him against the wall. She makes eye contact with Hannah and it almost feels as if Ashley is saying, I'm doing this, this because is- this is your fault. Yeah. And it is so fucked up. Like, listen, I don't even think like she's constantly. And I think we see that all the time with Hannah where like, she, also, I'm sorry, take your, your illegal cop sex to a motel. Not even illegal, just unethical, really. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, it, there's there's some plausible deniability there, but there's a pretty clear understanding that this is a quid pro quo, which true, makes true, it true. illegal. Yeah, no, yeah. exactly. Like, or I don't know, his place. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's almost as if she purposefully was like, I'm going to make sure they Hannah went- knows that I'm doing this for her. Yeah, they went there and she was really disgusted by the box of steaks and <laughs> decided to leave. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no it's so crazy um but yeah. i think and we love ashley that- also i think we need to do it we do love I'm- ashley she's certainly the most interesting parent and she's the most involved parent i think but in yeah, the like, worst she's the most ways. involved in her daughter's well she's the most involved in her daughter's life but unfortunately ashley is we love her also a bit of a fuck up and so being more involved <laughs> in her daughter's life is actually a detriment <laughs> yeah. It's just, it's just such crazy behavior. And it's like, yeah. obviously, like, I think Ashley is very much, I, I, I'm I'm curious what their relationship was like when Tom was there, right? I was Ashley this much of a fuck up? Was she just, was this, was her fuck up era because of Tom? Was she just like a normal mom before then? Or was she always kind of crossing these boundaries that I think parents should have with their children? If Gilmore Girls, now that we've seen A Year in the Life and all that, if Amy Sherman Palladino is trying to tell us anything with Gilmore Girls, it's that parents actually should not be best friends with their children. <laughs> kind of fucks up the kids. Yeah. Yeah. Ashley... Speaking of fucking up your kids, though, can we talk about Tom Marin now? If we must. <laughs> uh, Tom Marin hates his daughter. Absolutely we, hates I, her. We made reference to this in a previous episode, I think, that Tom Marin, when we see him interact with Ashley, seems to really love Ashley, right? And have a really good dynamic. He's really like interested in her. He loves spending time with her. But then we also like get none of that. He has no interest in Hannah, except for when Hannah is fucking up. Which leads us to think that he divorced his wife, the love of his life, to get away from his daughter. It's it's the only thing you can assume. Yeah. Well, because also like there's this really one sad, sad Um, thing that Hannah says when I think it's right after she crashes Sean's car and Tom comes to town for the first time and she says like, oh, she's like really excited to see him. Like, yeah, like he hasn't seen me since I lost the weight. What? This has been like over a year at this point since Hannah quote unquote lost the extra 10 pounds that she was carrying yeah. around and he hasn't seen her in over a year he hasn't it, like and he lives in really? baltimore and yeah. i'm also unclear what caused him to move to baltimore Is like why did he have to leave town i i don't know sure like was he having an affair with a woman who was in baltimore was he I going to baltimore a lot for, i don't know i have a lot of questions about that affair but and then of course there's the fact that he doesn't pay for hannah's college but he does Ugh. he is going to pay for kate's I, like I just want to talk a little bit about Kate the worked really hard for that Morgan yeah he's like Kate worked Kate worked really hard for that as though like Hannah didn't she just lucked into it right Which, but also I like, mean it does seem like that a little bit but clearly Hannah must be again I don't that think is kind of what we're like as she but and Tom Tom says like 
you know, oh, the the last, like, I didn't even know you wanted to go to these types of schools. Last time we talked about college, you wanted to go to like design school or something like that, you know? And she's like, the last time we talked about college, I was 12. Like, and something about donuts. To his- she says something about donuts. Yeah. Like, well, yeah, we got to get the fat joke in there. Uh, <laughs> we got to. Uh, it's kind of like on Friends when Monica, anytime Monica, anytime their like childhood is brought up, like Ross and Monica's childhood, we gotta make a fat oh, joke 100%. about Monica. It's ridiculous. It's actually the only thing basically you know about Monica as a child. Anyways, yeah. um, so he never asked his teenage daughter about college. Like that's the one. Like if you're if you're a shitty dad that talks to your your daughter like once a year and she's in high school. That's the thing you ask about. You're like, oh, so what are you thinking about college? Like that that's like the go-to, like, I don't fucking know your life. Like right. what's like well, that's the small talk you make. Also, and he didn't even ask her about that. When does that conversation happen? Is that before or after the dollhouse? Before. Oh, okay. Well, slight pass then. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh my. Can you? I think after I your daughter, Tom Merritt paid for college after that. After your daughter has been held for a month in an underground bunker by her stalker, you gotta pay for her college, Tom. You gotta. Yeah. But Kate, uh, you worked really hard for it. That's true. Yeah, she worked so hard for it. She, um, but really... I think it's just fascinating the way that Tom really, I think, supports this. I think notion that Hannah has that he only cares about her when she's in trouble because he mm-hmm. literally only comes to town when she's in trouble. Yeah. He, and then moves back to town only to punish her. Exactly. It's absolutely crazy behavior from him. He sucks. Yeah. He's the worst. The side he, note, side note real quick. We hate to, Tom. <laughs> we hate Tom so much. <laughs> side note real quick though. Do you remember when Hannah was talking to Ashley after she like stopped the wedding from happening and Hannah says to Ashley, I just feel like he's still mad at me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hannah. yeah, he's still pretty mad at you. <laughs> uh, it's been so, a day. <laughs> so basically, because of Tom, Hannah definitely has like abandonment issues and feels like she's never good enough. Mm-hmm. And obviously that also comes from Allison as well. And well, I, and I, I think also we see that. I think it's interesting. I was just watching the episode where her and Caleb broke up for Ravenswood and I think like you can really see her abandon her like fear of abandonment and like not being good enough like it it's really interesting because like she she's feeling very secure in her relationship with Caleb to the point where she's like yeah stay in Ravenswood help this random girl out yeah I trust you I love you one episode later he comes back and he's like I've got to go back to Ravenswood and he's being really weird and cagey. And I guess we know now that's because of ghosts. But Hannah is understandably interpreting this as like he is into Miranda and he's abandoned me. And I think like that really kind of sets her off. And that breakup, I think, is a really like huge well, moment could- in her character development where she yeah. just she gets into drinking. And well, it's, how it's could sad. Caleb resists a woman with the exact same hair as him. The, the, it's Anna should so, never have let him spend so much time with Miranda. It's so weird. Do you think that they have the same, like, do you think they share shampoo and conditioner, or like hair routines? Yeah. I mean, from my understanding, I think Miranda dies in the first episode. Do ghosts shampoo their hair? Oh, I guess maybe they're saving money there then. Yeah. <laughs> 
he did finish off the products that she left behind though yeah for sure need them anymore no it's so Um, weird listen ravenswood episode to come i'm actually gonna take one for the team and watch ravenswood but one thing about hannah and her parents and her relationship with both of them that i think is really interesting after she gets and also heartbreaking after she gets caught trying to bury that gun at cicero college she's basically under house arrest right tom's in town ashley is like basically kind of a a mess because she's worried she's gonna be you know accused of this murder emily comes in and she brings a school book in order to get in because like she just says like oh yeah i'm dropping off homework and Hannah's like, how'd you get in here? She's like, I have a sc- I had an excuse. And Hannah says, mm, I'm not in physics. And Emily says, I was counting on your parents not knowing that. And I think that that's really sad. <laughs> like, yeah. I understand Tom wouldn't know that because Tom hates her and isn't involved. But like, you would think that Ashley would know what classes her daughter is in. Right? Yeah. Like, isn't that kind of sad? <laughs> and Emily knew that. Emily was like, yeah, I knew that they don't know what classes you're in. So so she has these abandonment issues. And I do think that these abandonment issues are at the core of her like stealing. Obviously, part of it is like getting in trouble is the only way that her father will talk to her. But I also think that like she again, I think I think it's a certain amount of like exercising sort of like control. Well, and I think it's like I think also like in the early in the early stages of like the show, I think Hannah is really still finding herself. And she, I think, was so belittled and put down by Allie that she really doesn't know who she is. And she wants to be interesting. And stealing is interesting. Like, that's fun. That's, like, whatever. And I think she's able to kind of use that as a way of, like, being interesting, obviously, of getting things. But one thing to consider is that, like, her and Mona are stealing together. And I wonder how those, like, that secret kind of bonds them together maybe a bit. In yeah. the same way that, like, you know, is, well, is this And to Hannah? what extent was that maybe intentional on Mona's part? Yeah. Or even on Hannah's part of, like, Allie always said, secrets keep us close. Like, this mm-hmm. is something that she, this is a secret that she shares with Mona that I think definitely does bring them closer together. And in the way that they're both kind of trying to, like, rehab their images and, like, become the cool it girls of the school, like, it's an added bonus that they get to like steal the fanciest, most designer sunglasses and stuff. Well, yeah. and so, yeah, I mean, Hannah's, I think Hannah's stealing obviously uh, leads us into her like criminal record. And something that I do think that it, we've noticed about Hannah's stealing is that she uses that skill, that power to help the group because Hannah is always stealing evidence. She is always grabbing things and shoving them in her giant purse when they're in Sullivan's office and they are about to tell her about A and then they see Ezra's diploma. She is the one that goes over, grabs this entire framed diploma and stuffs it in her purse. And just like seamlessly, it's like this unspoken thing where like they all kind of spot it except for Aria. And then Hannah's like, I got it, guys. And it's really interesting to see like Hannah, especially in the early seasons, is always the one that is her first thought her first consideration is i gotta take that yeah uh <laughs> like, she also steals Allie's journal from ezra's ravenswood apartment yep and, I, she and doesn't I think want the other girls to see it 
Uh-huh. And I think it's so fun, though, to see, like, later on how the other girls also start kind of stealing things. Yeah. I mean, Hannah's still always the the first, but, like, if Hannah's not there, yeah. like, somebody else has has to step up. Yeah, they gotta, they gotta put the evidence them. in their purses. The, that's, that's why their purses are so giant. Yeah, they're filled with they're secrets. full of evidence. <laughs> um, and so also with with that, uh, when we were talking about this, we were reminded, right, of Caleb's line that he, I think he actually says well, it to Spencer. That's the title of this episode. <laughs> oh, that's right. That's right. We, we're titling the episode. Which uh, girl steal. Which girl steal. Yeah, he says it to Spencer because he catches Spencer trying to steal Ian's keys or trying. she's trying to find her laptop in Ian's office. But sorry, pause for a second. Are yeah. we saying that the lacrosse, the the field hockey coach has his own private office in this high yeah. school? Yeah, the okay. field. Yeah, correct. Uh, Moving on. So yeah, so Caleb says to Spencer, like, "Oh, what is it? it's the rich girls steal, the pretty girls lie, the smart girls act dumb, and the dumb girls." I don't think he says anything. Try about to the dumb convince girls. everyone they're all of the above or something. Anyways, I, I can't remember the exact yeah. quote. But it's interesting because he says the rich girls steal, right? Because Spencer is kind of the rich girl of the group. But Spencer is not the one that steals. Hannah is. Caleb. Caleb's sort of assessment here is like incorrect. Mm-hmm. Like obviously he doesn't mean it as an assessment of their whole friend group. But right. I, I well, think that in, in Caleb's defense, in Caleb's defense, he does catch Spencer, the rich girl, in a pretty compromising position. <laughs> yeah, he does catch her stealing, but also yeah. she's stealing something for, back so it's like for a different first. reason yeah <laughs> and caleb could not even begin to understand what the context of what he's walked no. in on is but i do think that like the fact that caleb is says to spencer that the rich girls steal is kind of interesting that he's wrong and i think that that's the point kind of that the show is maybe making a little bit maybe not intentionally i don't know but which is that like caleb kind of he it's a very like kind of condescending boiling down of teenage girls into these like really basic rudimentary categories and behaviors Mm -hmm. and he's wrong yep and i think that's kind of the point so okay going on to more of hannah's criminal record uh blinding jenna of course but also i think uh, you know all the girls have a million little crimes that we can't possibly get into no but i think a defining thing for hannah she loves to tamper with evidence. She's always trying to destroy evidence. Obviously, always. all of the girls get tampering with evidence for the shovel thing. But Hannah also has the gun thing. Yeah, where she, she steals the it, gun that um, yeah. Ashley stole from Tom, takes it to Cicero College, and attempts to bury it. But then she gets caught with, with a this gun. With a beer mug. Yes. Uh, <laughs> then she also is the one who... A puts Wilden's car in the, her garage, the car that I think was left on the road after Ashley ran him over. And she brings Arya in and they somehow push his, get his car into a lake. Yeah. Well, and also uh, when they steal, yeah, when they steal Toby's like file from his psychiatrist, right? She's, yeah, uh, right. She's the one that wants to destroy it. Ultimately, Arya is the one that destroys it to stop her and Spencer fighting about it. But Hannah's mm-hmm. the one that's like insisting on like burning it. Yeah. Hannah's Hannah's reaction to like, oh my God, there is evidence yeah. is destroy it. Must she also be destroyed. Deletes, she deletes the video of Arya leaving the hotel. Mm-hmm. She floods the receipt room. She, she also is I, another, always destroying evidence. <laughs> another example of her like destroying evidence is after this is in season three she's doing that whole like swap meet 
thing at the church and she finds the jacket that Emily was wearing to that night when she was like, when they found her drugged at Allie's grave with Allie's missing body, that she's the one who finds this and like the stuff donated to the church and like starts shoving it in her bag. Because she's like, that's evidence. I must steal that in order for us to destroy it. Any evidence that goes into (laughs) any evidence that goes into Anna's bag will be destroyed. (laughs) Yeah. She actually destroyed Ezra's diploma. I know she didn't. <laughs> Arya went and put it back and we saw that. But I like to think that Hannah, before before the other girls even got out of the office, Hannah had like destroyed that diploma. She's at like a she's at like a wood chipper. Yeah. <laughs> just <laughs> And again, I think her the fact that she's so because they all destroy evidence from time to time, but the fact yeah. that she's so consistently is destroying evidence is, I think, again, because of her impulsivity. It's such an impulsive thing, right? Of like Yeah this the existence of this thing scares me i must destroy it yeah and then of course her her big crime is killing dunhill with her car so she kills dunhill with her car which i think is kind of the culmination of a lot of car related stuff with hannah so many car things which i think transition to her medical history because one of her big things is that mona hits her with a car and she ends up in the hospital uh with a broken leg broken ankle bruised ribs and at one point ashley says that they might have to remove her spleen we don't know if that actually happened or not i don't i mean i don't even know what a spleen does so no clue (laughs) Uh, but i think that like this is really kind of the beginning for her of her viewing cars as weapons yeah, well, she steals hand or oh, she steals Sean's right. car yeah. first, That's right? That's true. He's she steals his car first, and then she's hit by a car by Mona. But let's run through like cars as weapons, right? So Hannah steals and wrecks Sean's car because he won't have sex with her. Then obviously she's hit by a car. One thing that's also very interesting is at the end of Unmasked when they're like coming up on Mona, who's kidnapped spencer hannah almost hits her with her car and because hannah's driving and there's like a real moment where it looks like i think hannah wants to hit mona with her car later on obviously ashley hits wilden with a car wilden's car like we mentioned was left in her garage and they sink it and then and then of course all of this culminates in hannah actually killing someone with a car yeah it's 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 a really great theme and I'm, I'm, i'm curious like what do we think why what do the cars have to do with it? Like, what did they ever do to her? I mean, is well, it like a hit her? Well, yeah, but <laughs> even before then, we know that she stole yeah. Sean's car, and that's like, I mean, yeah. that's an example of again her impulsivity and like this yeah. idea that she literally just wow. like she the the only thing she could think to do was I must steal something. I guess Sean's car, car is a, a car is a very impulsive weapon as well, right? Because it's just True. it it's it's something that's always there, right? Uh huh. It, it doesn't necessitate premeditation. Like, it is a very impulsive weapon that, like, Hannah steals Sean's car impulsively to get back at him. Ashley, again, who's also pretty impulsive, hits Wilden with the car. Mona obviously or hits Hannah with the car, but, like, I think that that kind of trauma <laughs> definitely feeds into things. And so, like, if Hannah was ever going to kill someone, right, it was going to be impulsively. Yeah, and it's true. What better way than with a car? Because that 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 is a moment when you can have the impulsive thought to kill someone, or even in Hannah's case, to just like not stop. Kind of, I think mm-hmm. was more her thought, and you are in a position to be able to do it immediately because you're literally 
behind the wheel of a weapon. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, and- from the writer's perspective, narratively, they they intentionally weave cars throughout just because they'd made the decision, I think, at first to like have Mona hit Hannah with a car. And maybe that happens in the books. I don't know. And then at that point, they were like, well, this, like, they kind of, you know, this is that's fun. why they have Hannah almost hit Mona with the car, right? Like, that's a nice, like, full circle thing. And then I think mm-hmm. later in the show, after the five years forward, when they want them to, like, accidentally kill Rollins, they're like, well, Hannah hasn't killed someone yet. And I think, you know, and and of course, if we're going to have Hannah kill someone, it's going to be with a car because yeah. we've already set up this whole, you know. So it makes sense narratively. And I think for her as a character with her impulsivity as well. Yeah, um, for sure. Moving on with the rest of her medical history, obviously she was tortured by Dunhill and Alex Stray. It was un- a little unclear, I guess, on who exactly was doing the torture here. Yeah. But the, the AD kind of that conglomerate. Um, and of course her bulimia as well. Yeah. Any, anything else for her medical history that you can think of? Any other uh, notable? Yeah, yeah, nothing comes to mind. So let's move on to her substance use history. Hannah is, I think, the biggest drinker of the group over the course of the show, right? I mean, they all start to drink quite a bit once they're adults, too. But yeah, uh, and Emily has her like phase. But Hannah, I think, more consistently is like the drinker. And I think at the beginning, it's interesting. It's more of like a party girl thing, right? It's like, I mean, she brings the flask to Allison's funeral. Uh, and she brings the flask to the dance-a-thon and like all of this, you know, it, but it's all presented as kind of like, it's just because she's fun and she's a fun and crazy girl. She's just yeah, she's she's, having a good time. Um, yeah. And then I think it's really interesting how like that's how it starts. But then it actually does go to some quite dark places with her specifically yeah. like her whole I think her drinking stint after Caleb's left and Allie's returned. Yeah, they, they kind of blur together. But like it's it's coming from, I think, some dark places, some feeling of abandonment, a yeah. feeling of insecurity now that Allison's back and kind of this idea that she is back in this kind of really th- this this relationship with Allison that is really unhealthy for her. And yeah, but also like she is more confident now. And so she's really struggling, I think, to find how how can she be friends with Allison again without being who she was when she was with friends with Allison before. Well, it and that up, leads yeah, her it brings to... up all her insecurities and it brings up, I think, her like sense of instability that's rooted in her abandonment issues. She, I think, feels any sense of control that she felt like she had, she loses when Allison comes back it's because she can no longer feel like she can set the pace, right? Like she doesn't have that sense of any sense of control anymore. And the only way for her to cope with that now is to drink. Yeah. So let's talk about her main character flaws which we've kind of touched on again guys we love hannah <laughs> um we're talking about all of their main character flaws yes for all liars and we have to address we- we've talked about it a fair bit already her impulsivity she's really impulsive to name just a few examples kidnapping no confronting jenna when sh- they find out she's able to see the others don't want Bitch to let jenna see. know that they know but hannah just like is like no i'm done with this and just like goes up and confronts jenna Her like even the decision to confess to killing charlotte right like i think she felt this you know they were on they were on a ticking clock and she felt this like set this lack of control not knowing what's going to happen yep. and she's like i just need to do something to take control of this and i think uh, um that what i'm thinking of in that scene is when spencer is because this is when spencer and caleb are dating 
you can see that Spencer is really uncomfortable because she, Hannah enlists Caleb in kind of this plan. Yeah. To call it a plan, that feels very generous. But she enlists Caleb in this and they're like working together. And like, I think even at one point, like they hold hands as they're presenting this plan to the group. And, yeah. you know, I think, I think it's Emily who's like, are you going to let them do this? She says that to Spencer and Spencer's like, what do you want me to do? sit and sit in between them on the couch like yeah wedge myself in between them yeah like as she's like pouring herself a hefty glass of wine (laughs) yeah (laughs) because like yeah it's like this is something that like and spencer knows this spencer knows there's literally nothing she can do to stop this now they can all see that hannah that this is an impulsive hannah decision this is not and there's nothing they can do and that's i think where i think honestly like the that's her biggest character flaw like that's her biggest like her unwillingness to collaborate on a plan or to slow something down when the group alerts her to the fact like hey we don't know for sure that noel khan is mary drake's son right we don't know that and hannah's like no yes we do we know that i'm gonna kidnap him and i'll prove it to you like it's actually like really I think some of the most dangerous moments for the group and it jeopardizes their safety in a way that's, I think something that people don't tend to talk too much about with Hannah. They don't talk about the fact there is a selfishness there to her impulsivity that puts everybody at risk and not only herself, but like everybody. And I think that like, there are times I think where her impulsivity helps, right? Where like she, like uh, when her mom, when Ashley is like, insisting that she give her her phone and hannah just goes and throws her phone in the sink full of water like Mm -hmm. obviously a super impulsive decision like i don't think like aria would have thought that quickly on her feet right no and obviously that's what hannah needed to do in that situation she can't give her mom her phone so like there are definitely times i think where it is helpful but it's also can be really dangerous and detrimental and I think it puts them in some really tricky situations right like there's nothing they can do to stop her from confessing to killing charlotte there's nothing they're able to do to stop her from kidnapping noel khan and i think when she's kidnapping noel khan and is missing is one of the moments where i think they are at their most vulnerable to everything falling apart hannah is so lucky that noel khan decapitated himself in the next episode because if if he hadn't if he had lived there is absolutely nothing that she could have done i think to truly counteract the fact that she kidnapped him there was no plausible deniability there was nothing that she like he didn't even she didn't even really have much over him i think to prevent him from doing anything about it well and here's the thing like with what we know about nolcon and again we we can't go off on another nolcon tangent (laughs) but what we know about Nolcon, I don't think that Nolcon's going to like take this to the police, right? But yeah. what would have happened is that Nolcon would now have a vendetta against exactly. the liars more than he did already did, right? Like he would have been going after them, well, and I, mean, I think it would have made them very vulnerable. He has a vendetta, and he now has the leverage. Like I, yeah, yeah I don't think Nolcon is going to the cops, right? But that doesn't mean that he can't hang that over Hannah's head and I think that that's what happens is I think with a lot of her choices and I'm trying to think of some I'm struggling to come up with some from like the earlier seasons but especially in the later seasons a lot of her choices her impulsive decisions lead to 
somebody else being able to hold something over them, right? Like it's adding to yeah. kind of their la- like. I think it's well, interesting. Like her, her desire. Drunk. At one oh, point, yes, when she's of drinking, she tells Sha- or not Shauna. She tells Sydney Driscoll that they were in New York. Yeah, exactly. And that immediately gets held over their head. But you mentioned earlier her selfishness, and that was the other. We love, uh, we love, her, we love guys. Hannah. We love Hannah, you guys. And people, so I think people often say that Arya is like the most selfish of the mm-hmm. group, and I totally get why people say that. But I think what it is is that Arya is self-centered. And I think Hannah is more selfish. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Aria, Aria loves to center herself, right? She is self-centered. She is most concerned with her issues, right? But Hannah is going to put her needs and wants above the group in a way that is like detrimental at times to the group, like we've been talking about, in a way that Aria doesn't as much. And I wonder to what extent, right? Like how much of this is hannah's selfishness which i think definitely is part of her character we love her but it is part of her character and also to some extent i think that a all iterations of a know this and do play on it and i do think that hannah's put in situations the most where she has to kind of where where Mm -hmm. her needs and what what she wants or needs are put in direct opposition to the group by a in some of the like examples where like A does that, right? Obviously, like sending Ella to the museum is one. But then there's also ones that like are clearly not set up by A, like Hannah kissing Caleb, which I know in the have a lot five of years about forward. That. In the five years forward, sorry, yeah, <laughs> Hannah kissing Caleb in the five years forward when he's with Spencer. And I know a lot of people have thoughts about that, but like certainly that is that is a bit of a selfish choice, even if you think that Spencer shouldn't have been with it, whatever. That is a bit of a selfish choice on Hannah's part. And also Hannah is oftentimes withholding information, I think, about Lucas, about uh, specifically him destroying Allie's memorial. Well, also that to the detriment of the girls in order to protect Lucas, because she's concerned with protecting Lucas because of her, you know, like latching onto him. Uh, Well, also, she also protects Lucas when after Halloween train, he is the one who kind of so it's when they're like looking for some but some notebook of Allie's, right? And they had it, and then they were in Creepy Harold's. So do you know what I'm talking about? So it's in the it's the episode after the Halloween train where they're in the basement of the school during this like little race. So they go back to the room to try and steal stuff, and it's been kind of like cleared out, and somebody runs out of the room and hannah notices i think the sneakers or something like notices that it's lucas right and doesn't tell the girls so one thing that we wanted to like make a point of identifying i think for each of them is like in the first season there's a moment when i think each of them realize that a is serious and like with we said with aria it was when a sends the letter to ella revealing byron's affair and i think we're in agreement right that like with Mm -hmm. hannah it's her being hit by the car Surprisingly, actually, in the show, I feel like because there's not that much that A does to Hannah at the very beginning. Yeah, and I mean, no, I mean because what's interesting is there's nothing crazy that happens to her before then. After that, after being hit by the car, it kind of sets off a a chain of events. There's the the money in the lasagna box and kind Mm -hmm. of everything that A makes her do to get that money back. But I think like the being hit by the car is the thing that I think 
really is her first major moment with a where it's like this isn't a joke this isn't someone just pretending to like have these secrets who's pretending that they're out to get us like this person's actually out to hurt us and interestingly enough i think it also serves that purpose for the for the group as a whole Mm -hmm. like even though they've all had their other moments and things that is also a moment that really is like oh fuck we could die yeah like like they they say yeah this started with (laughs) I think Spencer is the one that says this started with murder. We were crazy to think it wouldn't end up like this. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, okay. The la- the other thing that we want to do is her episodes. What are our favorite episodes of hers? Or kind of like, not, maybe not episodes, but like, what are our favorite like arcs? Our favorite yeah. sort of plot points for Hannah? One of my yeah. favorite episodes for Hannah is season five, episode seven. I can't remember the title, but it's when Mrs. Fields invites Allie over, right? Allie's back. Mrs. Fields wants to have Allie over and like, you know, whatever, catch up. I don't know. And Hannah's the only one of the other friends that's able to make it. I can't remember why Spencer and Aria can't. But yeah, Hannah's drunk. She's, you know, sipping straight up vodka during this and I just think it's like such obviously yeah. very bad behavior. Like she's abusing alcohol, which is not safe, blah, blah, blah. It's so funny to me. Like her, I think it's her like. Her whole thing, I think one for me, one of mine was her whole, like that those first few episodes when Allie returns and she dyes uh-huh. hair and she has this like identity crisis and she starts drinking. I think that's a really interesting sort of segmented portion of episodes for Hannah. I think another one for me is the father-daughter dance. Again, that's the one where she throws her phone in the sink because her mom's on on the hunt for A and they have already a lie about being A and stuff to Ashley. And I just really like that because I also, I like that it's all kind of with the backdrop of the father-daughter dance, Hannah being sort of the one that doesn't have a father. So I like that one. What's your mm-hmm. next one? Um, my next like plot point or story arc that I really love is her mystery novel phase. I think it's really fun. Spencer is kind of like in deep in her addiction at this point. So I think like she's not quite on her a game when it comes to like putting things together. And I kind of love this like thing we've brought in to like have Hannah start like breaking little like clues and stuff like that. But I also think it's really funny. There's this one scene where she's at the brew. She like steps away and she like misplaces her book for like literally 20 seconds. And she is really having like a little bit of a a freak out over this. And I think it also kind of shows like, because at this point, Caleb's just left and she's like really, I think, struggling and feeling kind of out of control. And I like the, the use of kind of her little mini obsession with reading mystery novels to kind of escape which is like a funny thing like when you're living a mystery book to like escape to a mystery but I think it also kind of maybe helps her feel like okay like this is solvable right like this is something that we can solve or like there's hope right like there's hope that there will be an end to this horrific mystery novel that is my life right now another interesting thing about that is like this whole conversation she has with Holbrook where she tells him she reads the the end of the books first and like what do we think that that says about her character I mean obviously like we've talked about she really likes to like kind of feel stable and maybe that kind of like helps her get a sense of stability I don't think that the books could serve as this escape for her if she didn't know how they ended, right? Because it would be too much like her life. 
Yes. So exactly. I think that's exactly right. Yeah. So my next one or my last one is 702 Bedlam. And this is after they have killed Dunhill. And this is the episode we get with Caleb and Spencer talking through the door and Hannah being off to the side. And just Hannah is such an emotional wreck and such like, like the acting is great from Ashley Benson and yeah, just a, just a really solid episode. And just all the emotions involved in that are so complicated and human. And I, I love that. What's your last one? I don't really have a last one. I love the, I, I mean, there's a couple of story arcs that I really love like kidnapping Noel Khan, I think is just like so fun. <laughs> like yeah, that's a good one it's too. I, it's so, so hard to pick. It's so ridiculous, and it's like so. But it, I mean, yeah, shows her impulsivity, and but also just like I don't know. It's it's just peak Pretty Little Liars ridiculousness for me. Yeah, like for sure. why? Like sorry, Hannah kidnapped Noel. <laughs> What the hell? I think like the Lucky Leon's cupcake slash the whole like money in the lasagna box is like a really interesting, you know, thread like story arc for Hannah's character development. We get some really like interesting insight into her eating disorder and how Allison kind of gave that to her as like a gift, I guess. And I think it also kind of shows what she'll she would do to like protect her mom, right? Like she is kind of treating everyone as like pretty shittily (laughs) like she's dancing with lucas to get money back which is obviously leading him on and treating sean like shit and i don't necessarily think she was wrong to do that i think it's like an understandable like again a is like making her do these things i think that's kind of like i think a really like solid hannah story arc where we we learn a lot about her and her relationships and how she thinks about things so i think that is hannah i think we've we've done a pretty thorough breakdown of her character and guys again we love we love hannah i i know love hannah we love said caleb some things have been said in this episode but we do love hannah and we do think she's a good friend so don't come for us yeah, please don't come for us. We know how the fandom can get in defense of Hannah. They love Hannah, as yeah. do we. Yes, as do we. <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, leave us a review unless it's about being angry at us about us not liking Hannah enough because we love Hannah. We love so her. you'd be wrong, okay? <laughs> um, and if you have any questions, send them to the email in the episode description. You know, we will even accept emails ranting about our terrible depiction of hannah in this episode will we Uh, oh look we'll accept them we can't i mean we can't really do anything to stop that you're right no guarantees we'll read them though anyways (laughs) we'll see how long it is i might read it uh yeah so leave us a review email us at the at the email in the description and we'll see you next time cheerio sister cheerio I'm gonna close the door